Welcome to Politics yep. and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Northeast Texas. Good morning, Southeast Texas. Good morning, everywhere this 100,000-watt transmitter is heading a huge part of Texas. Folks, thank you so kindly for being here. We love having, here, having you here at Politics Done Right. We are going to have a great show for you today. As usual, we will. We this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We will. And what again? We will. Anyhow, how is everybody doing? I trust all's going well. And you know what? If all's not going well, you make sure that all is going well. We have a lot more power than we think. We have a whole lot more to offer than we think. We have a whole lot more to give than we think. So, folks, please, 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 let's make this a day. Have you started a little bit down? Okay, that's all right. Try to find what makes it up. But anyhow, we have a great show for you today. Before I get started, I want to give my customary good mornings to the great guys in the studio. Good morning, Howard Reynolds and Jack Van Beber. How are my favorite guys doing this morning? My brothers from another mother? Well, good morning, Egberto. We are doing okay. Uh, you know, you talk about it being a great day. It is. I wake up every day and say, I get to go talk to Egberto today. Well, and that makes ditto. Ditto, man. So, go ahead. Yeah. You know, and I get to come in and serve the people as best I can. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a gift to me that I get to be of service. And I would like another serving of spaghetti, if you don't mind. Okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> the floors today. Well, you did that, and I took out the trash, too. So, you know, a couple of janitors this morning. Well, you, you know what is great, uh, uh, Van Beber? I, I can tell you guys from personal experience, one of the best uh, burrito, not burritos, one of the best uh, taco makers on soft taco makers in the Houston metropolitan area is a guy whose name is Jack Van Beber. Anyhow, ah. yes, <laughs> I can tell you. Right, Jack? Why don't you bring some in, Jack? I, I will if I can get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to make them. But, uh, yeah, I I cook my eggs very lightly and leave the yolks to a nice velvet in the Ooh. burrito. Ooh. Like my grandmother used Ooh. to cook. And, and the potatoes just make that fluffy. All right, go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you guys, it was good. You know, it was good. It, it took me... All the all the power in the mind power in the world not to eat another one because you know I really try I really try to behave myself but anyhow folks we have a great show for you today we're going to start the show well let me give you the title of the show then I want to tell you something I was uh, this morning as I got into the studio I went ahead and I'm looking at the uh, sh the show um uh, morning Joe. and they brought on Tim Scott so I have a little commentary about that that I want to talk about. It's a bit racial, folks, but I, it's going to be honest. But anyhow, no labels is in danger, is a danger to our democracy. 
Gensaki Dings Sununu's Lie, and Medicaid and DeSantis. No Labels Puts Our Democracy in Peril, Gensaki did not allow Chris Sununu to appear on the airwaves that belongs to all of us and just spew lies. I mean, he's had some sensible things to say, but in there, the way they operate is to put a little bit of untruth in there so that it would cauterize in the minds of people and somehow it then becomes matter of fact. Well, you know what? We do what politics done right. We don't let any of that stuff slide. We can't let that slide because we don't want reality to become unreality. We don't want it to become that you can no longer trust what you what you should know. So we, we don't let that fly. But anyhow, uh, for those of you who are just listening, remember you can listen to us at KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Alternatively, you can always download. Remember, download our uh, the the at at the iTunes or rather at the, at the at the Apple Store or at the Play Store the TuneIn application and just search for KPFT. And you'll have us, alternatively, go to kpft.org and stream us. Alternative, if you want to watch the program, and the program is on live with the video and everything, go to facebook.com slash kpfthouston. Facebook.com slash kpfthouston. Or watch it on YouTube by going to politicsdoneright.tv. politicsdoneright.tv. Anyhow, starting the program, uh, Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, uh, you know, it's a black guy that goes out there. And, you know, one of the issues I have with Tim Scott is Tim Scott is loved by the Republican Party. Tim Scott evidently is loved by South Carolina because they put him there every single time. But Tim Scott in the process, I think, likes to colorize the reality of being a black man in the United States. And for all of you who know me personally, first, let me just say who I am for those who are just coming in for the first time. Yo soy un, I am a Afro-Latino Caribbean person, okay, man. And the reason I always point that out is because, of course, there is a lot of history behind that complex ethnicity. And it, it differs somewhat from the pathway that was taken by uh, African-Americans, right? There are African-Americans, which are American citizens that, are, that were enslaved here in Africa. Then there are the folks like me who are Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Latino Caribbeans, which, you know, our masters were the Spanish or the Portuguese, etc. But you know, the common ancestry is Africa, but we all had our issues here in the new hemisphere, in the Western hemisphere. So there are problems all through. What drives me with, uh, with what Tim Scott talks about? Tim Scott went on to The View, and he, he, he was not kind to Sonny Huston, who said that there are still a lot of issues with black folks, not only black folks, but also um, Hispanics, the indigenous, etc. And he 
try to say that the fact that he could be a senator, that it just means that things are okay. There's nothing really that exists from the far, what the left talks about in systemic racism. Look, it's not only the left that talks about systemic racism. It's also the right, sensible people in the right who believe in honesty. My concern is he gives license by making statements like that. He gives license for people not to solve the issues that really need to be solved. In other words, yes, Tim Scott did well. Yes, Sonny Hostin did well. Yes, Egberto Willis, yours truly, did very well in this country. But not because one particular person does well doesn't mean that there aren't systemic problems that affects the whole. I, I, I wrote a book called, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here I'm like, what is my book called? Tribulations of an Afro-Latino Caribbean Man. And the reason I wrote it is because with a smile on my face every day, with treating people with respect every day, with saying I love everybody, absent ethnicity, race, whatever. I love everybody because I understand that we are victims of our externalities. We are victims of our rearing. We are victims of how we grew up. We are victims of what, what, what people have taught us all. So we shouldn't blame the individual. Look, I don't even blame the racists. I don't blame the KKK member. I don't blame those because of how folks were reared. It's a it's a novel way of thinking of things because you know you get swords on all sides. You have the you have the black folks and Latinos saying, "What's wrong with you? Uh, th th these people are th wanting to hurt you," and you're saying, "No, look, we all have our crosses to bear. We are all we're all." Victims, and notice I said victims. I don't believe in victimization, but we are victims of our rearing. And the thoughts that we have inculcated in our minds throughout our history of existing here or anywhere is not something that's easily removed. I always use the example of my past homophobia, my past sexism, because of my background, because of where I came from until I made the this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease effort and was made aware that I was actually wrong in my beliefs. I had to come to the conclusion that I was wrong and then willing to change. And that is the expectation we have to have of every person with all, the, with all their discriminatory tactics or feelings that they have. It has to be intentionally done. Now, now, the danger, the danger 
that Tim Scott's of the world bring to the fold is that they remove the responsibility of us all from trying to solve all the, the wrongs within society. Because he says he throws his hands up in the air and he said, look at me, I'm fine. I am a senator. I'm a senator, so everything is okay. And all those people that are living the downtrodden, etc. No, it's their fault. Let them pick themselves up by the bootstrap. Can't pick yourself up by the bootstrap when the boot's on your neck. And when we talk about systemic racism, and I know it turns a lot of people off whenever we get onto these particular subjects, but it will continue to turn us off until we take care of solving it. A Tim Scott creates a problem. Tim Scott, as a black man who has made it, is one of the worst, one of the worst for not only getting rid of systemic racism that affects black folks, but the ones that affect Asians, the ones that affect women, the ones that affect everybody because it is said. If you can say Oprah did well, if you can say Martha Stewart did well, then women, there aren't issues that are holding you back. When you go into the boardroom that you're only 5 or 10% when you make up over 50% of the country, oh, that's not systemic, right? There are other factors, right? You know. Um, it's when you, you have to be honest with the things that are happening in society. And until we get there, until we get there, when we have folks that allow themselves to be used to prove a false point, they are more dangerous than the racists themselves. And that's how I view Tim Scott, more dangerous than the racists themselves. Because he is like a breeder reactor. A breeder reactor creates more fissionable material than a reactor consumes proper. So, uh, sorry for starting on that down drive, but I, 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 I think it is important for us to get these points through. And if there's something that I missaid or didn't say as I expected or wanted to say it, Give me a call, 713-526-5738. I didn't want to go into too much detail there. I can go, could go into redlining. I could go into uh, banking. I could go into how interest rates are allocated and how it's really systemic in housing. I could do all those things. But you know what? Deep inside, everybody knows it. Deep inside, everybody knows there's something wrong. Putting the numbers onto it, when you see the numbers, when, it, when you put the numbers onto it, which we don't do here often, is what really, really gets the folks. 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. Please feel free to call. Please feel, please feel free to change the conversation. Please feel free to ask me anything. Please feel free to be free because I would really love to hear from you. And if you want to talk about this subject as well, no fears. I don't care who you are. You disagree, that's fine. You agree, that's fine. But one of the issues that we have when we're talking about things like race and gender and all is that everybody clams up and every, nobody wants to talk about it. You know, I hope to be a platform where I can say, look, brother, you can tell me anything. 
during the Tea Party de- uh, portion of the debate, I went into some interesting areas and had all kinds of conversation that made sense. People who thought they would fear saying certain things were able to say. So give me a call, 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738 to engage in whatever conversation you want, whether on this subject or another subject, 713-526-5738, extension number two to be on air. And by the way, folks, if you're kind of shy and just want to make a commentary to me on whatever I've said here on this program, please also feel free to send me a, drop me a line at kpft at politicsdoneright.com. kpft at politicsdoneright.com. All right, uh, since I haven't yet gotten a call, I want to go ahead and play the Jen Psaki video because I, I tell you, you know, for the longest time, I've always been concerned as far as, well, you know, the media lets these guys come and put a, a word here in and a word here in. And even though it may not be the main subject, they allow, they allow the right to put words in that somehow makes it true. I don't know if you saw uh, yesterday after two, uh, a Republican and a Democrat comes out of the meeting with the FBI, one meeting two different results. Oh, they're having an investigation. No, they're not having an investigation. How can things be different? You know why? There's usually not rebuttals. Well, uh, I love how Jen Psaki did it in real time here. I want you to listen to this and then we will take it on the other side. Good journalism is hard to find, but you know, Lately, we've been finding some good journalism. Yesterday, I did a piece with Ayman Mohel Yeldin. We had uh, uh, Hassan that's doing some, Mehdi Hassan that's doing some good work in the way he's interrogating people, questioning people, not letting them bloviate. And today, we had Jen Psaki. Uh, Sununu came on. You know, he decided not to run, after all, for the presidency uh, as a Republican. And she came on and did a great thing when he decided to snowball, to snow the reality of Trump being helped by the Russians. You know, he wanted to call it, oh, it's a, it's a false story, while he's given the narrative of what Republicans needed to do to have, an, have a chance of winning. But you know what? Jen Psaki didn't allow him to get away with it. The Republican primary field for 2024 is getting more crowded by the day. You may have noticed that with Chris Christie, Mike Pence and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum all expected to enter the race this week. But today, one other Republican who was considered a possible candidate announced that he's not running. New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, a moderate, self-described pro-choice Republican who handily won re-election to a fourth term last year, writes in a Washington Post op-ed that, quote, our party is on a collision course toward electoral irrelevance without significant significant corrective action. And that, quote, the stakes are too high for a crowded field to hand the nomination to a candidate who earns just 35% of the vote. And I will help ensure this does not happen. Strong words there. We all know which Republican primary candidate he means. I think we know. And Governor Sununu joins me now. So let's let's start with an announcement that we're going. You had a big news day today, but let's start with an announcement that we're going to see in New Hampshire 
tomorrow. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is going to make his run official in your home state. You Neither of you hold back in criticizing Donald Trump. You have that in common. Do you think he has a path to beat Donald Trump in the primary? Oh, sure. Look, I, I think almost all the candidates have a very viable path to beating Donald Trump. And, you know, you just said it right there. Chris isn't shy about, about uh, you know, casting criticism where it is well-deserved with the former president. But this is the problem. All 12 of the other candidates need to cast the same type of criticism uh, it, because it's it it's not that we're, we're there out there to beat Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't represent the Republican Party, right? He's the outsider. And we've kind of let him get away with kind of co-opting, I think, what, what are tra better traditional ideas ideals of the Republican Party, of limited government and local control. He wants to relitigate the past. And if we're going to be successful in the Republican Party, we've got to move forward in the future. Pete of 16. It looks like, uh, according to a lot of legal eagles, we could see another indictment for Donald Trump soon. Now, we know the hush money indictment didn't seem to change the dynamic. If anything, it seemed to help him in the polls. Do you think any indictment, yeah. an indictment on issues no. around no. other indictments could help other candidates or would hurt Trump? No, you don't think no. the indictments matter? No. No, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Obviously Tell me what you think. Don't. No, they, don't. they absolutely don't matter. No, these indictments. Uh, and if I make a combination of the media, um, you're, you're, you're creating a, the, the boy who cried wolf syndrome. Right. What happened in, in New York was wrong. I mean, it really was. They are beating up on, on Trump for political reasons. Everybody sees that. What happened with the Russian collusion that never existed effectively exonerated the guy so he can play a victim card. You've all created a situation where God, what, what kind of planet are we on where Donald Trump's become the victim? Well, that's first of really all, I, what think, it is. I think we very... And so now we nobody know, believes it. Well, nobody believes it. We know, I have to stop you on there because we know very clearly that Putin and the Kremlin did intervene in our election in order to try to help Donald Trump back in 2016. So we know that is true. But you may think that they shouldn't engage in this as a messaging tool because it's not helpful to them. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't, I'm not going to re-litigate, re you know, the, the Russian collusion nonsense that went on for two years. You don't need to re-litigate. It's been litigated it by, right. by lawyers yeah, yeah, and it's, investigations. It's, it's nonsense. But, you, but now nobody buys... Nobody buy, yeah, but, but nobody buys that any attack on Trump isn't anything but political. You've created... Everyone has kind of created this scenario, and he is playing it to the fullest. He's playing the violin strings better than anyone imagined, which is why his poll numbers miraculously are actually going up. So these candidates are going to have to get on the stage, talk about what they're going to do going forward. Every one of them has to call him out. If you're not calling out Donald Trump for the non-Republican that he really is, for the mistakes he made in the past, then you don't deserve to be on the stage. The word is arguably. It's arguably right that collusion was a part of Trump winning. And while it is true that Sununu would constantly try to keep the Republican narrative that says it wasn't, making sure that that does not go unanswered, making sure that whenever these charlatanes lie, misinform, mislead, ill-informed, making sure that it's answered so that within the ethos, the last word isn't that of the liar. Great job, Jen Psaki. Anyhow, folks, I, I, I hope you got most of that. That was that dropout was entirely my fault. Thanks for for uh, Howard and Jack for stepping in there as I remapped the channel to ensure that all <laughs> that the video actually came through. 
Hey, uh, uh, Howard. Now we know why your uh, your your work with the tin cans are so important, sir. Ah, uh, thank you, Egberto. It's important because without the tin cans and string, we can't hear anything on the other side. <laughs> I know, I know, I so know. Now that we're taking it on the other side, uh, what do you have for an answer on what Jack and I were talking about? We're well, talking the in- about- the interesting thing is because of the channel setup, I didn't hear what Jack is. So give me a one sentence line about what you and Jack actually said. Okay, I'll let Jack do that. Okay, what I, what I said was, what is the nature? The question I'm asking today is, what is the nature of fascism? What is the nature of corporate rule? And how is it going to affect our lives and the poor? Control. One word. Yeah. It, control is one word. You, you know, I, I sit down and wonder, uh, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm going to kind of go around in circles about that, Jack, in this regards. I think there are very few amount of people in this world that are psychopaths. In other words, they have to be in control. They, 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 they enjoy seeing others in pain. Uh, and there are studies that's, that's showed that, right? And there are also studies that show that people have a tendency to follow psychopaths. In other words, um, they did this experiment. I don't remember the name of the experiment where they allowed somebody to, uh, it wasn't really happening, but it allowed somebody to constantly shock somebody. And, and as they saw more pain, the, the other person kept saying, give more pain, give more pain. And they did it. They were feeling oh, it bad was, about it. The, it was the Milgram experiment. Very right. Famous. Right. Stanley Milgram did that. He was a psychologist and he was wanting to study uh, this sort of thing. And there's an actual film of they They filmed it. Yes. And no one. Well, the thing was, would you follow someone who you felt was an authority on something? Right. And the and- authority was a doctor in the office there with a machine which they thought was shocking someone on the other side of the wall. The person couldn't see them, so they couldn't empathize with their pain. Right. What happened was he says, okay, we'll start off with a low shock. And the guy would go, oh, oh, that, that hurt. And the doctor and the, 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 you know, the subject would look at him and go, well, that hurts him. And he says, it doesn't matter. Just go ahead and do it. And they increased the voltage, what they thought were, they were increasing the voltage. Not one of them said, no, this is wrong because they felt like the doctor was an authority figure. I studied like seven years of psychology. So I Ex- know this one quite well. And you know, so that was the experiment. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm glad that you, that, that you reminded me uh, of it. But I, the, the one thing that I, and, and that, believe it or not, that experiment is one of the things that gives me more empathy towards the perpetrator as well. Right. Because it, it gives me, it, it, it makes me not hate people. Because I know there's something within our nature that follows authoritarians, and we have to make sure that <laughs> we 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 work work on that, you know. Because and that's why in, the, in earlier the speech that I kind of gave impromptu was like, I hate nobody, I don't blame anybody for their sins because of how they were reared, etc., etc., etc. That's where that is coming from. In that look. That is, you know, I, I, this doesn't apply to one group of people. It applies to people in general. So, but Moses is on the line. Let me go to Moses and then uh, we'll come back and have this chat. Moses, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, my brother. How are you? I am fine. Talk to me. 
Okay, my um, what I want to I listen to this gentleman who was um, he as the new superintendent of um, yes. of of SISD. And um, as you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a retired teacher, 35 years of teaching, and um, for the past 22 years, I taught language arts, English, reading, and stuff. And when I listened to the gentleman, all I heard was a rubber stamp for the demolition of education in the nation, especially in the state, most so in Harris County or in Texas. Now, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. Now I'm going to just do three points and, and let it go from what I listened, what I um, summarized from his um, talk yesterday. Number one, when you talk about discarding libraries and discarding librarians, number two, what I saw with this man was a gentleman who, he said he was a teacher. I don't know who, who put him in teaching. Because listening to him, I, I'm seeing one who has a simplistic concept of the teaching of reading. The teaching of reading, the subject draws from every other subject. When I taught reading, I had to teach reading from the math side. I had to teach reading from history. I had to teach reading from science. I had to go into every subject to pull that which is a comprehensive practice of reading. So when my students were able to give me from every other area, understand every area in reading, then I understood. And reading is just much more than reading words. It's reading it, understanding what you are saying, knowing the meaning of the words, being able to, to, to explain it and demonstrate your understanding. This man is saying that, oh, anybody can take reading. You, you, you don't need this. You don't need a library to teach reading. This is dangerous. And number three, there's an over-dependence on test proficiency. This is destroying the whole education in the whole country. This business that if the children don't pass the test, we'll fire you, we'll shut down the school. What this man does not understand if he, if he indeed went through and took a degree in education, he would understand there are individual differences in the learning of students so that all of them do not come to the same proficiency at the same time. And if you as an educator, a, 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 an administrator of education does not understand that, and you say, I want all these mangoes to get right at the same time, then you should be out of there because you will have students, students will come to me at the beginning who are at the advanced level, who are the um, intermediate level, and students who are way at the bottom. And each of these need a different um, strategy in bringing them forward. So that whole business of test proficiency should be, should be, should be, um, demolished and thrown away and let the teachers who have gone to teachers college who have studied 
Piaget and who have studied all of the, the, the edicts of, of instruction and learning. Let the teachers who know what they're doing conduct education of the children. So when I heard this man, I trembled. I trembled for the, for the teachers, I trembled for the students, and I trembled for the parents, you know, because all I saw was this man came there to do what, like we used always say in teaching, this man came there to do what they sent him to do. And what they sent him to do is to demolish uh, uh, education. And, let me... Uh, let me j chime in here. First of all, I, I, I've been, while you were talking, I was just hoping and waiting for the, that, sen that last sentence that you said. He came in here to demolish education. First of all, he's not qualified. I don't care if he went to West Point or whatever he went to. Uh, that doesn't qualify one to be a teacher. A teacher is a very, a teacher, a professor. It, these are very special people. Not everybody can be teachers and you can't run a school like you run a business or you can't run a school like you run the military. The most important thing that you said there is you, you get a whole ball of children in there. There are different levels of comprehension, different ways of learning. And what the teacher is able to do is take a, a, a class of a multitude of different children that learn differently and adapt their teaching skills to do just that. It's not a formula. It's not a, it, it, and you know, I, I, I learned that from other teachers. I learned that from good teachers. And so you hit that right on the head. The fact of the matter is he came here to destroy the public school system. His background is in charter schools and the sole purpose of charter schools is to make a profit for a small number of executives. I repeat that to all the families that are listening to me that are sending their kids to KIPP and all these other things. I will tell you categorically, what you are doing is enriching a few for a substandard education. Even if your particular kid does well in that KIPP system or that, that charter system. Go ahead. Go ahead, I, Moses. Before, I have more to say, but go ahead. Let quickly, I will not hold you. I have taught at a charter school. And what this, uh, what I found out when I taught at those charter schools, exactly what you said. The children are not being provided with what they're supposed to. The teachers that are there, they look for substandard teachers. And the teaching staff is like a revolving door. You might have a teacher come today and she's not satisfied. Sometimes you can't even get a sub. You see. And so what I am saying is the solution, my humble solution, is to go back and return teaching to, into the hands of educators. Exactly. Educators who, have studied, who have studied education, who have studied the way children learn, and let them design a path of education for the students of the nation. But when you take charlatans like this, and you put them on, on already, the man is already asking teachers to, um, to reapply. Yeah. yeah. So when you begin with this kind of thing, what are you doing to the, the neighborhood? What are you doing to these children? I know I, I taught students, I taught for 
22 years with HISD. I thought to the point where some of my students had already started bringing their children to me and telling me, well, Miss Frederick, I hope you're there, you know. And, um, you know, telling the child, this is my teacher, she's good. And I will always say that one of my students that I taught in one of the poorest schools in the hood, he is now the chief of police. And, you know, because the, the, at that time, we teachers, we work with the neighborhood, we work with the parents, we work with everybody. You know, oh, Miss So-and-so, um, Miss Redrick, I'm sending so-and-so to you, all right? I'm coming to the house to, to, to um, do a home visit. We won't sit down and teach that boy to, to, to read. Or we go, Moses, do. Moses, you're, you're absolutely right. I have to... I have a statement to make and then I need to run to tag, but you're absolutely right. Know that you have in, uh, you know, there, we are trying to promote or, or, or enlighten folks about this charter system, enlighten folks about what they're doing to our educational system. And it, uh, and, and what, what that takeover of Houston was nothing more than a cash grab in the making, but we'll talk about, we'll continue to talk about that. And you can call in and talk about this anytime, Moses. Thank you so kindly for, for calling us. Any last words? Well, what I'm going to say is, I hope the people of the United States of America, especially the people of Texas, open their eyes. And well, you know, to demand from the the, 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 the the leaders, demand and say, you know, you're not covering our eyes with your foolishness anymore. Moses, uh, you know, the, the person that's doing that or the people that are doing that, you, by you opening the subject right now, you just did that. So thank you so kindly for calling. Okay, Moses? Okay, have a good day. You Bye -bye. too. Now, I'm going to go to Tag in a minute, but let me ask Tag to hold a second. Uh, Tag, you're, you're hot, but let me just ask you to hold a second because um, Moses just touched a nerve. And this is something that we talk about on this, on this program all of the time. In our system, we want to capitalize everything. We think everything is about making money on making a profit on everything. We want to make a profit on healthcare. We want to make a profit on medicines. We want to make a profit on our kids' education. And, and before the education comes the profit, before the medicine comes the profit, before the healthcare comes the profit. I am not against making a profit. I am not against business. I'm not against anything that make a profit. But at some, at some level, we have to make sure that profit is not the driving force, but doing well by the commons is, doing well by the people is. And education is not one of those things where anyone, anybody who is making a profit on education, when we talk about charter schools, etc., remember the bottom line is not your kids. That your kid may do well in a charter school doesn't mean that your kid should not have done well in a public school which has more resources. Because remember, the charter school must skim its resources to pay its executives that are not there teaching. They must pay their teachers less and give them less, 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 uh, less services, less benefits, because they want to have a profit for the shareholders in that in in that business. All of them, whether they're nonprofit, uh, nonprofit 
charter schools or for profit charter schools. There are executives out there making the money that's coming from this in, from from the state that's revert moving that money from the public school system into the charter school system. It's a money making enterprise. There is no benevolency at all. Zero from charter school. Those who participate in charter schools are participating in the destruction of the education in the future. That's what's occurring, folks. And I'm not blaming the particular person who's been fooled into having their kids in the charter school system. But the reality is, it is there to make money, not for your kids. Now, is the public school system okay or has problems? Absolutely. Major problems. Some of the major problems is where investments are made in the public system. You get taxes in rich areas, they can flourish their schools with everything. In, in poorer areas, they don't put, even within a school district like HISD, look at how the money is dispersed based on areas of, of the city. The problem is not to create, and, and you know what, they're using the, they're using the poor people they're using the poor people to profit on the charter system. Oh, look how bad the, the schools are in the poor areas. Create a charter system. So we have the profiteers making money off of the poor people in those poor areas instead of fixing the public schools in those areas. It's a racket. I'll speak about that a little bit more. Let's go to Tag. Come on in, Brother Tag. Hey, Egberto, how you doing? I am doing fine, sir. Talk to me. Well, I, I think there's a, a, a general fallacy that the right wing has been trying to sell to people that the government can be for profit. It, you know, obviously, you know, the government's got to make enough money to, to sustain itself. But as far as making money on, on Social Security or Medicare or, or police and fire or or, you know, even even like public broadcasting, it's not there to make money. The government's not there to make money. It's it's there to sustain itself. And I think that's what people have got to get out of their minds, that government cannot be run like a business because businesses have to make profits. The government does not have to make profits. The government has to just sustain itself. And um, I, I think until we get past that little knothole that we're going to have a lot of problems in our society. And and the, the best thing about especially the federal government is you have the economy of scale where the federal government should be able, and state government too, should be able to get things at a lower price because they're buying so much stuff. And that's where we really don't have to worry so much about a profit motive. So um, I, it just, when, I, when I hear these uh, Republicans saying, oh, yeah, well, well, we've got to run, especially Trump was like, oh, we've got to run this country like a, a business. No. You know, you're not going to run it like a business, and especially with some uh, the way some people run their businesses. You know, they order you know a thousand pianos and then only pay a third of what the the sales was, and it's like you just can't. That's that's a very poor example of how to run a business too. But we don't expect our government to shortchange everybody when they're buying, uh, doing contracts and buying. Tag. Stuff. So that's kind of what I want to say. Thank you, Tag. Thank you for that. That's an important statement. If, if, in fact, if a government is making profit, it's not doing its job. That's bottom line. If a government 
has more money after it collects than than it's putting out in services. That's terrible government. It means either that it's taxing too much or it's not giving enough services. A government should only take in what is needed to service the people to make sure that they're happy, to make sure that they have what they need. So a government should not make profits. And you're correct. Everything shouldn't be profit. Thank you so kindly, Tank, for calling in. And uh, keep listening. Keep calling. Tell folks about the program. Uh, Let's go to Bobby. Bobby, you're hot. Come on in, Bobby. I can't hear you. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? I'm fine. Um, I was going to talk to you a little bit about the schools that you were just talking about, the charter schools. Go ahead, sir. Um, you know, with the Texas State Lottery, when that first came out, I was like, oh, that's going to generate a lot of money. And I thought it was going to go to the public schools, you know, and that's millions and millions of dollars like every week. That, and they feed it into charter schools. Um, if you go to their website, like they'll pretty much give anybody a charter school. See, they have so much money because of the lotteries that anybody who wants to open a charter school, they'll, they'll almost pay for it for you. And it, it just seems un, it just doesn't seem right, you know, taking all that money and putting it into charter schools when. You know, the public system is like in such disarray. Look, uh, you're absolutely right, Bobby. The, the charter school system is a racket. It's yet again another business model trying to be developed on everything. We want to turn everything into a business model. We want to capitalize on everything. And we have to realize that you shouldn't do that. It's not good for the good for the folks. If we were to invest in bad schools, let's say we find a bad school. If we were to invest uh, in that bad school to make sure we bring the teachers up to par, to make sure we go into that community to see why is it that there isn't family interest. Again, in poorer communities, mom and dad, they are working their butts off just to serve some food. Their kids are getting less supervision. All those things are true. You want to solve the problem, go on a community-based uh, in a community-based manner. What is wrong in this society, in, in this community that services this school, why it's doing poorly? Figure that out, solve the social problems in that area, and you solve the problem. But that's not how we think. Or that's not how, uh, going back to Van Beber, Jack Van Beber, Jack Van Beber said, what is fascism? That all of those are fascist concepts. Those things that don't look, that, that simply look at, solving a problem from an authoritarian corporate rule type of a manner. In other words, oh, uh, if, you got, if the public sector doesn't do it right, we'll just get a corporations to do it as if a corporation has any semblance of benevolency. It has none. Its sole purpose, they're go ahead. Make the profit from their students. That's it. You're right. absolutely right. You know, I mean, their main goal is to make money from the students, not necessarily to teach them. It's not like a service that they're doing, you know, like a police officer or a, a military person or somebody who wants to give service to their community and leave a legacy of, you know, like, you know, teaching and all that. They're just trying to get the money. It just, you know, to, to this whole system of ours, you know, the old term divide and conquer, it just seems like we're set up to be, con- you know, like with everything being, you know, like a two party system, you know, everything that like Obama might've done that is positive. You know, as soon as Trump gets in office, he wants to come unravel it. And it's almost like, you know, nothing wants to pass in, in, in Congress or anything because if it's a decent bill, like the Republicans will say, well, you know, we can amend it, make it. Nobody wants to say, hey, look, you know, 
the Democrats maybe, you know, also don't want to tell the Republicans, hey, that was a good deal, you know, and we're going to go and support that. It's like everybody is out to make the other one look bad. And it's like, they're just, it's the self-defeating system, it feels like. And well, you know, like, I think we had talked. Go ahead. Yeah, we here's the thing, Bobby. Uh, the 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 sense of desperation you hear in the voices of many is exactly how chaos works and how fascism is able to introduce itself. Because what happens then is you are so you're so despondent after you feel like you don't have control that you just let things be. One of the one of my goals in life is to say we don't just let things be. We we engage and we be a part about about it, a part of it. We engage with our fellow brothers, sisters, friends, everybody, and said no, you make a difference and do make a difference. And the other thing that I said is people that are out there who are who complain, who have the ability to do so, run for office, run for school board, run for state senator, run for I mean, if I were a bit younger, I would be running for just about everything that I that I that I thought I could that I was qualified for. But everybody needs to engage. Don't let any don't 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 put it on don't give Patrick and and uh, and and by the way, we, we blame Republicans, right? But it's not only Republicans. Neoliberal Democrats are no better. There's a possibility that we could be. I think mankind as a whole is just kind of, you know, we have that inside of every one of us, a little bit of that natural sin, and it leads to greed. Like what you were talking about yesterday about, you know, a billionaire shouldn't have a right, you know, to, to squander away that much money. Um, like when I think about our, all of our society, everything that you see being done, all these, you know, investments and, and everything that's going on, our, the money that's available is only like, what, 25% maybe of the actual wealth that's here in the United States because the rest, the other 75% is all locked up into those billionaire accounts. Gaining exactly. And, and it's like, I was telling my friend, you know, like if you took a slave and, you know, even a slave, you know, just a few hundred years ago, or like, you know, we had talked about, you know, building the pyramids, that slaves, you know, he's going to, you have to, like, if you're building the pyramids, you have to have them for years and they're working for you. So he, you have to feed him, you have to clothe him, you have to, you know, um, you know, he doesn't have to worry about those things. Those things are given to him because so he, he can continue working for you. But in our society nowadays, you know, your average person is struggling from tech to tech, you know, um, struggling to buy clothes for their kids and to pay their rent. And to, right. am I going to pay my car or buy food this week? And meanwhile, it's, it's like we're living because, you know, the, the food and clothing is things that slaves took, you know, that was given to them. And we have to, like, fight for it. And it's amazing. Like, you, Bobby, you hit us something that I talk about all of the time. The, the, the new slavery is the employee because the old slave had to be taken care of completely. The new slave, when you don't need him, you just get rid of him. And since he's not a capital investment like a slave was, hey, who cares? Uh, business is down. Get rid, of the, get rid of the employee. We need an employee. We, we bring him in. We pay him while we have him. When we don't need him, we get rid of him. A slave, you couldn't quite do that, you know? So, I mean, Imagine it's amazing. Statement, and they were to release, you know, like you were saying, they start t uh, taxing like they used to at 91% where those companies are forced to invest that money back into their employees and or just give it to the government. So they're going to they're going to want to invest it back into their companies. Exactly. You know, like they did back in the day. People back in the day, they used to their wives, they made enough money with their wives to stay at home. They could buy a new car every four years. But now that the CEOs get to keep all the money. You know, we're back to like, oh, we're fighting just to, you know, eat, basically. And it's just, so, it's disgusting that there's uh, enough wealth for everybody to live comfortably. But instead, you know, the concentration of wealth 
we're, we're, we're turning into an oligarchy system. And to be honest, when, when you see the Department of Defense spending $10,000 on the valve that NASA has spent $300 on, you're like, you know, they're, they're plugging the books and to make it, it's like a breakaway society. They're, they're taking our tax dollars, $200. Bobby. Oh, well, we lost it. It's Bobby, like, you, I got to go, Bobby, to, to, uh, to, to Arnold, but let me just tell you one thing. Thanks for bringing that up. That's important. But here's, a, here's what I want you to leave with, my friend. I want you to leave with this statement. We can make a difference. It doesn't happen overnight, but it happens with our, and this is what, what um, uh, <laughs> Howard would tell you all the times. It happens with the vote. So we have to vote in those people who share these common interests and will do things. Thank you so kindly for calling, Bobby. Keep calling, keep listening. One last, one last thing. I was just going to say, I wish that more presidents actually won by, you know, vote instead of the electoral college. Because I feel like at this point, a lot of times our vote, our vote doesn't even matter. Like, I got you, brother. Got to go to Arnold. Thank you so kindly for calling, Bobby. Arnold, come on in. Oops, uh, we lost Arnold. Uh, okay, it looks like we lost Arnold. But anyway, um, I, check to the woodshed here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Arnold, if you want to call in again, just call 713-526-5738, hit extension 2, and we'll get you in. But in the meantime, I have the two other subjects that I need to run through, and it goes like this. Um, you, you've heard of no labels that come in, that's coming online. And yesterday on my uh, 3 o'clock show, I was explaining to folks that no label has a good sounding name. We don't want parties, right? If we don't have any labels, everything would be okay. But the thing about it is no labels is funded by what again? Billionaires. And do you really think billionaires really care? So Joe Manchin, I think, is what they're thinking about, who they're thinking about using to run uh, as the president as a no-labels president, okay? Joe Manchin is down 22% in his race against uh, the Republican in, in West Virginia. So he's unlikely to get reelected, Joe Manchin is. And this guy loves power. And how much power can he get for the next year running as, uh, as a third-party candidate? It seems like that's what's happening. Look, the billionaires don't want... Biden, what I explained to folks yesterday, Biden is a neoliberal, Biden is a but when Biden got elected, he did not govern entirely like a neoliberal or a He actually listened to progressives. And there was a lot of progressive policies that got passed from the environment to social services, got passed under Biden. In other words, this was one neoliberal that did not govern how he had it. Because he didn't fully govern what billionaires don't like that they want a they want a president whether democratic or republican that's going to be holding the water for them and that is what so far biden is not doing fully so how do you mitigate that uh first of all right now republicans are unelectable the policies that they're pushing make them unelectable but if you put a mansion in there mansion cannot win Biden, that is the issue we are at right now. Um, you guys got on your phone, you can see it right on the Well, Egberto, we don't know what's happening with your signal. Hold on. Oh, 
You're you're cutting it out. Yeah, th- now now I'm hearing you okay. Wow, I don't know what oh, happened there. Is oh, is it clear clear now or? Holy cow, we got you now. Yeah, I don't know what happened because nothing changed here unless it was a signal on air or whatever. I don't know what the technical problem was today. Does, well, it was, the, it was the, neoliberals hearing you and going, we don't need to hear that. Maybe that's what it was. The neoliberals are hearing uh, hearing what's going on and they don't like it. All right, come on in line number four. Oops, I guess it's back off again. Anyhow, well, well uh, did, did you hear anything about mansion and no, no labels at all? Uh, most of it, yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Let's talk so, about it again. Okay. So what we have here is that uh, no labels is trying to run a center candidate, and the purpose of running the center candidate is to knock off uh, el señor el señor Biden because he has been governing not like the the neoliberal they expected him to be, but he's been given just too much to the liberal. Let's go to Anonymous and see if Anonymous has something. You got thirty seconds, Anonymous. Anonymous, you got 30 seconds. Anonymous, you got 30 seconds. Okay. Oh, he's, he's gone. All right, he's gone. Over. <laughs> I think, you know what? Anonymous must got us, man. I don't know. But anyhow. So anyhow, folks. So the idea that, they, that no labels is in there for no label is no friend to democracy. What no labels want to do is no labels want to ensure that uh, we know a Republican cannot win based on the current policy and what's going on right now. But you know what they can do? They can still get a Republican in there. And I don't think it's Trump that they want to run. I think that things are lining up to take Trump out. I think Trump is going to be so taken up with legal battles that he's probably on. They know he's unelectable, but let's say somebody else get in DeSantis or whatever. They will rather have a DeSantis than they would a Biden. The plutocracy would because Biden is in a second term can let the true ruling class that he grew up as come out because you know what? It's his legacy. We're talking about the man is gone is 80 years old and he would love to be the person that really, after he has, after he owes nothing to anybody, Biden would love to do things. Let me give us some examples here. He he is going to be the savior who put a, a, a black woman on the Supreme Court. He's going to be the savior who revives the working class. He's going to be the savior who took this country back, or not took it back, who brought this country to make it a true, a true like egalitarian system. I want you guys to get that. It's important that you get that. I have one point something minutes left, so I, I, I got to work on getting out of here. Folks, sorry for the few technical problems that we had here. One was absolutely definitely my fault where I had this, the thing going on the wrong channel. But other than that, it seems like the gremlins wanted to go out there and get us. I want to thank Howard Reynolds in the studio as well as Jack Van Beber for, for, for always making sure that we have a good program transmitted to you. Uh, please go to politicsandright.com slash newsletter. All the topics that we covered and were supposed to cover is there. And uh, please remember, tell folks about KPFT 90.1 FM. Listen to KPFT 90.1 FM. We are here to serve. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out!
We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.